Yes, it's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. Howdy, folks. I'm Sleazy B. Martini, entrepreneur extraordinaire. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. This is Curtis Armstrong, and you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time. The dangling thumb. And you're listening to Quality Time Broadcast. And they paid me Do people be spitting in your mouth all the time? I didn't say it was spit. You do look like an apple juice slut. You definitely not pee. Definitely not come. You have the face of an apple juice slut. I'm like, come here, you little mots tot. Hi, my name is Apple Juice Slut Eric Woodworth, and it's nice to meet all of you today. As the yeah. Boba Dork, oh, Boba Dork Wood is joining us right now. Let's see how this well, works probably- out. Well, Tommy chokes you and he's like, come here, I'm about to make you my little minute maid. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, can you turn up the traffic in the background? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. What do you what do you want me to no, do? I like it. Do it gives it a I, I think it gives the podcast a realism. So I like that, you know. And you know what else is feeling real? Today's quality time episode. Booyah! I'm back, baby. It's your boy, Eric Woodworth. Guess what? It's my birthday, so I got to pick the movie this week, you little fucking French sluts. Um, I'm excited. (laughs) Ashley doesn't look happy with me. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. I meant for all of France, not you. Out of anybody that's a slut today in this room, Eric, I think it's you, you little whore. I am. I am a little fucking apple juice slut uh, that if you heard a little bit on the pre-show, I maybe let Tommy Simbazo spit apple juice into my mouth on stage last night. Jeremy, how do you feel about that? Uh, You know, you do what you have to do for comedy, so. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy, how are you doing today, man? It feels good to see you back in the mix. Um... I think I'm a little down. I don't know why. Life is great. Uh, yeah. You so uh, down another job? Is that? Yeah. I think the highlight was when uh, the guy who was training me was so high that he had to be sent home. And when he asked me for a ride, he's like, "You don't have to." And then started weeping. So that was. <laughs> so. That's like 80% of the open mics you go to, though, in Baltimore. Uh, It's usually somebody like, can I get a ride home? I suck tonight. (laughs) Uh, And the best of all was he was trying not to to pretend. He was trying to make it seem as if he wasn't high as a kite and probably wasn't partying (laughs) all night. He's such an irresponsible asshole. It was was really a fucking horrible day. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Oh, that sucks, man. But, hey, you know... Um, on the bright side, you're here on quality time. I feel like you're a little low energy, but I think we're going to snap you out of that as we get through the pond here today. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
All right, well, I think we have a damaged Jeremy Woodworth, but we have a fully functional and operational space station of podcasting glory in the very lovely, the very talented Miss Ashley Pontius. How are you? I'm good, Daddy. Thank you, thank you. So I would love to talk about something I did last night. Ooh. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but here in Greencastle, it was particularly windy. And I was on my way home last evening. And as I am driving through town, I see a dog looking very lost walking on the side of the highway. And being an animal lover, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't let this happen. So I pull over and I'm like, all right, you're you're coming with me. We're gonna take you to the shelter. You can stay, we'll figure it out. And it was Jeremy so Woodworth. <laughs> oh, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I can't be me. I can't even think of anything snarky. It's too mean. So, <laughs> so I pull over, and the dog, you know, looks at me like, "Help me!" And I'm like, "I will." So I pick this dog up. I put him in my car. He's, you know, getting warm. So I come into the driver's seat and I turn on the light and I look at him. What kind of so, dog? You know, well, so so you're about to find out. So I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and I go, "You're not a dog." <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what was it? I, I may, I may have physically picked up and put a fox in my car last night. <laughs> <laughs> and he let you, huh? Well, so I, he's calm, but as I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, oh, this could be very bad. I can die in this car. I'm about to be Jurassic Parked by this fox. You know, <laughs> so I, I, I gently am like, mm, let's at least drive you a few feet down and I'll put drop you somewhere safe. So I drive maybe like, I don't know, 500 feet. Or so something. wait a minute, you just didn't get it out of your car? You're driving a fox around now. But, no, but listen, I can't really <laughs> so, so he just sits there on the seat warmer, and, and I drive like 500 feet to a clearing, and I slowly get out of my door. I open up his door, and I'm like, get out. <laughs> and he takes off, and we're fine. Everybody's fine. But um, I may need to get my eyes checked, because I will also say Friday night when I had a show with you, I did not tell you that on the way there i was like oh my god it's snowing this is beautiful and i thought it was snowing for about 20 minutes and then i passed the car in front of me and realized i had been following a hay baler (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so tune in uh i guess this is the perfect time to make the announcement ashley uh tune in every tuesday for quality time spinoff spinoff show ashley and the fox where she and this random fucking wild fox she met have their own show where they talk about their life woes I gotta be honest, that is not what I thought you are going to pretend to pitch for me. I honestly thought <laughs> Eric was gonna be like, tune in every Tuesday where we see, like, can Ashley tell the difference between reality and fantasy? And I was like, well, you should look at my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ashley, you did have a... Gr- oh, I'm sorry, Jeremy, go ahead. You could do a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's at, at an all-time low. And Jeremy has some exciting news to share with you, but we'll get to that after we... Uh, Talk about what happened Friday, Ashley. You and I had a wonderful show up uh, for the BNI, which is a business uh, uh, 
International. Business Network International. So a bunch of local business owners from York, Pennsylvania, all gathered at a very lovely restaurant. Great food. I'm glad that you invited me. I guess I didn't realize how dressed up it was. Uh, everybody's wearing like a tie, and I showed up in a Metallica hoodie and a Mandy t-shirt. And uh, I was like, cool, I'm a little, a little underdressed. All right. Um, but let's be honest. Can I be honest? Sure. And I think, Jeremy, I need you to validate whether this is true or not. I feel like even if I had told you that this was a nicer event, you maybe just would have worn a different metal band hoodie. I don't think it really would have changed any of the results. I would have uh, I would have worn a vest on top of all of it. Oh, one of your jean vests. No, a nice a nice pinless vest like one like that. Would have looked. It would have looked. It would have looked snazzy. I would have looked like the help. Vest. I don't. What other vest would you own that isn't made of denim? No, I have a wonderful three-piece suit with the vest of the three-piece suit, and I'd rock that out. Be nice. It's a nice look. I didn't know you you owned a three-piece suit. Truly, I'm shocked. It's a lot of things you don't know about me, Ashley. Like you didn't know that uh, I'm actually. I don't know. I'm actually Jeremy's twin brother, and I'm actually dead. This is actually the movie The Other you're experiencing, and we've slowly tricked you (laughs) into a podcast of it. Uh, I don't like this, and you and one of you has the cock ring. I don't. I don't like this. Now, now Ashley, can we tell the can we tell the first story about the lady? uh, Oh my god! Because honestly, I have a good story, but yours is so much. I love this one because it made me laugh out loud. Well, the best part is you were literally standing there as it happened. Um, Some people will probably know if you follow me on my personal Facebook page. Um, Jeremy, you may, I think you may have seen it. So sorry if you've already heard this. Uh, But for the listeners, so Eric and I do this show. And at one point I talk on stage about, you know, who else got fat during quarantine. And there's this really beautiful woman sitting at a table. And at one point I point her out and I go, don't you say you got fat during quarantine? You know, she's very petite, very thin, wearing these hot leather pants. I wouldn't call her smoking hot, but she's an older lady. She looked like she was in maybe like her early 50s, but well well put together, um, a a good looking woman. I would say she was beautiful, but had an amazing body. That's kind of Mm -hmm. the point of that. She has a body. So then the two people with less amazing, amazing bodies are outside while Eric smokes and um, or I'm sorry, vapes. And so we're sitting there comparing breast sizes. And all of a sudden she comes walking up and she's in a fur coat like this insane fur coat. I'm like, wow, it's pretty nice. And then she opens the coat to Eric and I just to like show us what she's wearing and like mm-hmm. her body and show like, off the goods. And I'm like, I'm assuming she's drunk. And I'm like, okay, like, good, good for you. And then she shows us a picture on her phone of, I guess, technically more fat her. And then she looks at me and goes, if I can lose it, you can lose it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, but it wasn't just, it wasn't just that. Is as she said it, just to make it clear, she like patted you down, like on your shoulder, oh, like, I'm- you can do this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like you just need to be motivated. Just, she's like, I'm so sad you were making fun of yourself. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'll lose it. And then the minute she walks away, I look at Eric and I go, I'm not going to lose it. <laughs> but I mean, 
mean, it's such a fucking. I want to say that like she had a little bit of an Eastern European accent, so maybe she yes. didn't understand the colloquialisms of uh, the little things in America, right? But the way it came off it was just like, hey, I recognize you're a fat bitch too, and just trust me, you could be like me one day. It's yeah, how it, it came off. <laughs> in Russia, people don't fuck you because you're fat. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank Maybe you. you don't know that I'm fat, so men will leave me alone. Guess what? Doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, that was that was fun. Now listen, uh, you you do your set. Uh, I decide to have violent stomach movements during your entire uh, set. So much Always so that. Uh, and listen, there was no. I just it just happened, you know. I, uh, but I could honestly. I could hear every word that you said because I was like right on the other side of the wall. I was like, it's like I'm here. It's like I'm experiencing. But I was, it kept. It's just like normal you. It's like you're invisible. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm always in the shadows watching. And uh, don't, don't, don't put down your webcam. So look, the, um, <laughs> as uh, as the set's going on, the lights keep going off in the thing because they're motion censored. And I was, for a while, I was just sitting in the dark. And I was like, you know, if somebody comes in here, I'm going to spook them because it's completely dark and the lights will come on and be like, hey, how's it going? I'm shitting in the corner right now. And so I had to keep opening the stall door to like make the motion sensor go back on, right? Uh, So you, they had a silent auction. So we had a break in between your set and my set. And I talked to a local business owner and his name was Ken. Okay. Now what I'm wearing, I mentioned I'm wearing Metallica hoodie, black pants, red shirt, red shoes. Okay. And he walks up to me, Jeremy, and he goes, he's like... You know what red shoes means, don't you? I was like, no. Uh, what does it mean? He goes, not good. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait a minute. What? What do you? What do you mean? What's wrong with wearing red shoes? You got to tell me now. He's just like, he leans in. He goes, hey, you ever heard of Q? And I was like, as in QAnon? He was like, yup. And he, I was like, wait a minute. Are you saying that I'm fucking? Uh, kidnapping children for child molestation purposes he was like basically that's what the red shoes mean you know they drink kids blood don't you and i leaned into him jeremy and i go yeah it actually keeps you young i'm actually 75 (laughs) so 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 i start (laughs) i start my set off i was like hey everybody i was like i met a couple people around here everybody give it up for ken just want you to know he called me a child molester 10 minutes ago so uh but but to prove his point eric probably talked about kid fucking no less than 20 times during his set so and listen, if it's one thing I know about local business owners and men of prominence and power, it's that kid fucking is going to go over big time with them. So uh, immediately, I like kept saying, I was like, isn't the whole point of this BNI so you can get your own island to fuck kids on and stuff like that? It was going over great. You know, I had a, I had a real fun time. Exhibit A, all clowns have red shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I just want to say there was a movie in the 80s starring Tom Hanks called The Man with Red One Red Shoe, where he just rapes the hell out of kids in that movie. Oh, so. man. <laughs> Classic. Good. You know, we watch it every Christmas. It's a Woodworth tradition. Uh- <laughs> well, it, it was pretty good. I mean, that Billingsley kid was pretty great, even though he got raped in the film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that what the song Christmas Shoes is about? <laughs> Yeah, you know I like the song much better when uh, 
you know, he begs the, the guy for money because his mom needs like a new uh, PlayStation 5. So, <laughs> all right. Look, well, Jeremy. Jeremy, don't out me, but there's a reason there's always red in my stool. <laughs> and the other worst part about that song is at the end, the guy spies the kid out and he's got like 10 pairs of shoes that he like <laughs> in, the, in the same Walmart. Why so. do I feel like we're getting dangerously close <laughs> to a World War II reference? <laughs> oh. I'll tell you what I'm going to do this week. I am going to steal so many ATMs. <laughs> so we will miss you, but we just want you to go out in a blaze of glory. Look, I That's got a always. truck, and it'll go through any convenience store window. So I like this. I'm happy for you. I I, I truly believe <laughs> you deserve your own landmark. You're like our own Mothman. Yeah. Look, look, I know where to hide these things once I'm done. You know, tearing them apart and. As long as they don't land on my head, like in that episode of Breaking Bad, I'll be okay. I agree so. with that. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, uh, hey, Jeremy, um, you have been... Let's talk about some of the bright side of things that you've been working on lately. So you have submitted your daily negative affirmations now. Yeah, I made a calendar of daily affirmations. So the idea of this calendar is like, you know, like, Ashley, you're familiar with the calendars where it's a daily rip one and there's something written on each day. Have you, yes. uh, would you like That's to hear terrible. a preview of some of January that, uh, now he's got all 365 days covered right now. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. Now I, I'm going to read, can I, Jeremy, do you mind if I share some of the text from it? Oh, uh, not at all. I did make one for Arbor Day. Okay, well, let's just, well, you can share the, the highlights. I just want to give you, when I open the document, this is what I see, okay, Ashley? All right, this is for January 1st, okay? A new year to still be a loser, okay? <laughs> January 2nd, 363 days left to be a loser. <laughs> Number three, uh, you'll never amount to anything. And then it goes on four, death and taxes. Yay. <laughs> uh, inspirational. You actually have two for January 4th. The one that just says that, and then the other one goes, you'll probably go to hell. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, your death will probably be prolonged and painful. Your life is prob will probably be meaningless. You'll be forgotten. Life is a joke. You'll oh. die alone. You were meant to suffer. You'll, ne <laughs> You'll never. You're phenomenal. <laughs> hey, and you could go through this for days and days, all year long, until you get into August, where he starts to loosen up a little bit, and he goes, "Have you given up yet? Good. More suffering." <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. So it is good, Jeremy. That's I I think this needs to get made. You've actually put a lot of work into this, man. We should crowdfund it. And I I tell you my favorite. What's that? Yeah. My favorite is the Tom Petty song. Even the losers get lucky sometimes, except for you. Oh, that's a good one. I see crowdfund this listeners hit us up on our on our page on facebook or instagram or email us let us know if you want to crowdfund this i say we make it this is so good uh, that yeah. i want this to be the inspiration when i finally end it thank you uh, on, on uh, the company that i was trying to sell it to i, I put a, a note i think we could put 
uh, special <laughs> quotes on the back that says five proofreaders died while trying to proofread this calendar. <laughs> I mean, God, that- suicide. So. Hey, this one really makes me laugh. All right. Like, I'm just scrolling through and finding other little gems in here. He says, your version of it's a wonderful life ends with you jumping off the bridge. <laughs> Jeremy, this is this is your finest work. I have to say, I really, I really love this, Jeremy. Every time someone's gonna read your calendar, an angel's gonna slit its fucking throat. I love this. <laughs> hey, uh, wait, this wait, wait, it's Jeremy's life. His angel never gets his wings. Now, uh, it's a, it says, try, try looking in the mirror. Horrible, isn't it? <laughs> I, my heart just shrunk three sizes i love this now jeremy are you a little bit worried about putting this calendar out not from the repercussions or maybe personal damage you could cause to people with it but that uh dave chauffeur is going to sue you for all the posts that you stole as days here (laughs) (laughs) i'm just curious like is that a worry a concern of yours (laughs) dave chauffeur calendar (laughs) Oh, well, good work, Jeremy. I think we can. I think we're the minds that be over here at Quality Time Productions. I think we can get this made, whether we have to crowdsource or what. There's got to be a, a dollar amount uh, that we can make this happen. So uh, maybe we'll do a Kickstarter to see if we can do it. Give you some ideas. Done if they just want to start buying the calendar. So yeah, can't you like make like like go on Snapfish or something and just make them so that they can upload there and then they can just order them by uh by whatever. Probably, probably. I'll, I'll look into it. I'm and the best part it. is you can use them all year round because you never have to, you can buy one. It's not like day specific. It just does it by the date, you know? Oh, and right. also it's the last calendar you'll ever need. <laughs> Correct. I was just going to say, Jeremy, you'll have no customer reviews because everyone will be dead before they leave it, leave it a review. That's, if anybody complains it. about it, I'll be like, why aren't you dead yet? <laughs> <laughs> And if people ask you, are you going to make a sequel? You're like, why would I? You should be dead. This is phenomenal, Jeremy. Thank you, man. They get really good. Bravo. Bravo, sir. Bravo to you. All right. Um, so are we ready to get into the little gem of a movie I picked this week, which I can already tell it's going to be an uphill battle with my co-hosts. I know they didn't want to watch this, but I'm glad that they did for me. I'm just, I just want to say real quick, I had a good time. We'll get into it. But... um. Just listeners, I'm just gonna stand up for myself real quick. I just a reminder: if you er- ever hear Eric bitch again about a 90 minute movie, I'll fucking kill him. Um, I, this is one of the longest movies I've ever watched. I agree. Listen, it could be significantly shorter. Uh, And the movie we're going over is 2001's Brotherhood of the Wolf, uh, which I am excited. This was a movie that was near and dear to my heart when I saw it in my, uh, I I probably saw it like 2003 or four. And I think the the French name for it is Le Pac de Lupa. Uh, This is uh, a wonderfully 
odd movie quick synopsis there is a beast that is tearing apart the townsfolk of Gévaudan in France during with a backdrop of the French Revolution about to fucking happen and who comes to save the day solve the problems a young investigator who's fresh off of the heels of the French and Indian War his Native American friend played by Mark DeCasicos who's just a wonderful action star from the United States of America and how do they solve this crime this whodunit that's fucking right karate and i just love every goddamn moment of this movie except for the ridiculous act two where they try to make it a murder mystery slash love story in between acts one and three are phenomenal act two real tough to get through ashley what do you got it really it really dragged. No, look, I, I did have a really good time. Um, thankfully, Eric had prepared us ahead of time that there would be subtitles. But because you do a lot of reading and it is in French, I have to be honest, had Eric not told me what this was about, I literally just thought it was a really bad love story about two people with lupus. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, did you feel physically accosted by having to watch this film today? Uh, I didn't feel it. It reached the level of heat in, in editing because the uh, cinematography was so unbelievably rich. And uh, <laughs> thanks to uh, Amazon Prime, they had it uh, dubbed. So I got to hear it in English. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's how I originally watched it. I, I originally, how long was your cut on Amazon Prime that was dubbed? Was it over two hours? Two hours, 30 minutes. Okay, because I remember watching this on DVD and it not being this long. Like, I saw some type of edited version that originally came out because it never felt this long. Also, smoked a lot of weed back in the early 2000s, so I might have just been stoned out of my mind, like, this is so fucking badass. Um, My only only regret is that with it being dubbed, that they didn't sound like really bad French accents. Like, oh, where do you say you don't live long? Um, Jeremy, could you do us just one favor? This is one of my favorite things Jeremy does. It's one of his few impersonations that he does. Jeremy, could you give us famous French actor extraordinaire Andre the Giant reading some French poetry for us? Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, this is uh, one of his his better uh, uh, audio books that he does, that he did in the, uh, in the late 80s. And this was... Um... <laughs> they were no longer little girls. They were little women. <laughs> oh my God, was that Andre the Giant just now? That's so beautiful. <laughs> my other favorite is where he reads War and Peace. So. Could you, uh, could you, could you give us what if like Andre the Giant was playing Quint from the movie Jaws? How do you think that would go down, Jeremy? Uh, the the, uh, the shot eye are like the eyes of of a doll's eyes, not hands eyes, and you hear that awful screaming sound, and, and the blood turns water turns to blood, and twelve uh, hundred men were down in that world, and only two hundred were saved. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. You want to see this scar? This is where, this is where James Miller broke my heart. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's get. I want to give one more because there was three. There's. I want to give one, one more shot to the great Andre the Giant. Could you give us a read? Now we know the great Al Pacino got this role eventually, but can you give us just a little excerpt from the movie Scarface as uh, he is trying to Andre the Giant reading for the movie Scarface? That he is soft. I tell you what. The three things you need in life, man. You need the power, you get the money, then you get the women. Oh my God. Oh, great job. Great job, Andre. Say hello to my little friend. I think I'm doing a little bit too much Schwarzenegger. I like that everybody, but everybody, when you're Andre the Giant, is his little friend. That's the best part. (laughs) So, oh, God. Great stuff. Great stuff. Hopefully he had lived long enough to hang out with, like, Manute Bowl. Yes, yes. (laughs) Now, this movie is uh, directed by Christopher Gans, who's primarily done French films uh, prior to this, but he did have an uh, American theatrical release after this movie. He actually directed uh, the Silent Hill movie in 2006, so uh, nice little uh, credentials. Uh, Most recently, in 2014, he did uh, uh, an adult version or a PG version, uh, all French, of uh, Beauty and the Beast or Le Belle and Le and uh, also stars one of the stars in this movie, who is uh, Vincent Cassell, who plays Jean Francois in this uh, in this little piece. But uh, it's actually kind of cool. It looks like a darker version of the Disney one that kind of came out, I think, in like 2017 or 2018. So it's kind of a cool looking movie. Probably not good. We don't, I know nothing about it. But as ridiculous as this movie premise sounds, about two guys trying to discover a giant monster that is murdering people in the uh, outskirts of a French province in the 1700s, it actually has some historical backing to it, oddly enough. And this is where I fell down a fucking hole with this movie. The the Beast of Gévaudan, uh was actually a real thing from 1764 to 1767. It's a historical name associated with a man-eating animal or animals which terrorized the former province of Gévaudan, consisting of modern-day department of Lorez and part of uh, another French thing I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Now, well, Eric, there's actually another name, by the way, because oh. you were were into it and you were like trying to talk to me about it and at the time I was busy and I was like go away but actually no there there is a third name historically mm-hmm. it's a an so the translation for this man-eating beast is actually also known as an Ashley Pontius <laughs> she's a man eater make it rock uh, 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 uh. So now, uh, in Where the uh, she's a man eater. Thank you, Andre. Uh, now, these attacks, which covered an area spanning of about ninety to eighty kilometer, ninety by eighty kilometers, or fifty-six by fifty miles, uh, were said to have been committed by one or more beasts with formidable teeth, immense tails, and according to contemporary eyewitnesses, most descriptions from the period identified the beast as a uh, striped hyena, wolf, or a wolf-dog hybrid. Now, in in 
1987, there was a study that estimated that there had been between 610 attacks resulting in 500 deaths and 49 injuries, and 89 of the victims were killed, killed were partially eaten, which is a crazy number to sing. Now, I went through, that, that was a thing that I pulled off of Wikipedia right there, but I also went in and looked at a Smithsonian article, which I think is a little bit more of a trusted news source, and they kind of <laughs> no, dated... Well, I'll get to that, right? So they they say that it could have been, while some people say it was 500, it was more likely the actual beast itself probably was only responsible for about 100 deaths, which is still a crazy amount of fucking people to get murdered in a three-year span, right? Oh, yeah. But what was all the hubbub about? Well... The thing about it is this is before the French Revolution. There was no free press during this time. The king censored all political speech that happened. So one of the stories that journalists latched onto in the early uh, invention of the printing press was that to sell newspapers, this juicy story about a fucking monster that's killing people out in the basically what is uh, Appalachia, like the, the Appalachia of France is where this is at. Like this is their hillbillies, okay? And they're like, you know what's out? there don't go out with them crazy frenchies out there that's where the beast will get you and they were selling newspapers like it was fucking hotcakes well as a half french person that lives here in appalachia he is correct (laughs) (laughs) but no that it it is really cool that there is uh there is some historical evidence this was like the first real giant cryptid that ever really existed in history where the media latched on and actually made it something bigger than what it actually was everything else is just fables before then now we'll get to what the beast actually was as we go through the movie so as not to spoil what this fictionalized version of this tale is going to be so we'll hop back into history later on um we're gonna give away the scenes where um she has her magic mirror and she says Show me the beast. (laughs) I love you. I love you. Uh, Now, uh, one of the actors in it is, uh, of course, I mentioned Mark Tacasicos, which is he's an American martial artist. And God damn it, if he isn't in one of the movies, we will do one day called Only the Strong about Capoeira and is a great soundtrack nonetheless. Uh, I'll have to try to quit by then. Um, <laughs> oh, you don't like Only the Strong? No. Oh, it's such a fun no, movie. I've never seen it, but I know he'll make me watch it. Mm. I know I know Mark DeCasico from John Wick 3. Ah, very recent. Yeah. he's Listen, he's a great martial artist. He's kind of like if you have your Steven Seagal's of the 90s and your Jean-Claude Van Damme's. Then you maybe go down a tier to like your Chuck Norris's. They're in worse movies, but you still respect them. Mark DeCasicos yeah. is the C tier of martial artists. He's right here uh, with like a Eric Roberts and other people who kind of do karate in the movies. He, in the hierarchy of like coffee, he's like the Dunkin' Donuts caramel macchiato that's going to give you diarrhea. <laughs> He's a little tan, but he's 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 one of those culturally ambiguous people that I'm like, I want to hate you for what you do in martial arts, but I don't know if it's racist or not. <laughs> uh, uh, not like uh, personally gay, but uh, <clears throat> you know, if I see some guy doing martial arts in like a Indian loincloth, I'm like, damn, that's pretty hot. <laughs> so, so uh 
uh, the one of the characters, uh, who, some actors that you might also know from this movie is Vincent Cassell. I know I mentioned him a bit earlier, but uh, you might know him as uh, Thomas Leroy in the movie Black Swan. He's kind of like the creepy dance guy or whatever that she's into. Um, so he's he's in this film uh, and is also a huge French actor. He's like their Tom Cruise over there, let me tell you. You'll also might recognize uh, Monica Bellucci. Uh, she plays Sylvia, the local whore at the brothel here or so we're led to believe uh you might know her from like the matrix reloaded uh as the super hot girlfriend of the merovingian can i just say that um i'm i'm kind of the opposite i know i'm jumping ahead but it's like she's a whore maybe pretending to be something else i am something else who's secretly a whore (laughs) (laughs) uh so, as I mentioned, it's set on the backdrop of on the heels of the French Revolution, and a man is narrating it. And uh, I don't think it's weird to say it's a. Uh, it ends up being Thomas Diapacher, who is a young man in the tale that he's telling about this t- time of grandeur where things were a little bit weird. Uh, the revolution had become a terror, he said, uh, describing uh, the setting as he goes back to the 1760s and talk about this we get to meet manny and uh and uh our our lead uh uh fronsac uh who looks like triple h from wwe there's no other way to describe it he's got a real triple h vibe to him um and i also like that they try to make him like the really really adorable one and i don't see it i don't see how i was like oh look at this how could any woman resist the night fronsac I just this whole movie tries to be like very seductive, romantic, sex driven. And I just think the whole time, huh, I love that 18th century France just feels so gay. (laughs) (laughs) I do like I do like that, like a lot of the movie is really beautifully shot and they spent a ton on fucking uh, uh, wardrobe on that. I mean, everything looks authentic to the time era until karate starts and then you're like what exactly is happening right now but they do spend a long time and very beautiful i love like the use of like reds and colors and they just fucking pop out of like the gray filters that they feel like they film most of the movie in sure no i agree with that but we just and again i understand it's not directly the movie it is literally a representation of the times but it's like i kind of forget it's like oh yeah we had men in powder wigs women's corsets Mm -hmm. makeup on i'm like what the fuck was going on in france hell yeah that's a it's just how it was man if you wanted to get fucking pussy you better have a powder wig that looks tight you know um this is adrian brody's greatest film <laughs> so uh we meet, we also meet uh manny who is played by mark DeCasicos, who is a native american uh who he brought back after the french indian war because it's a weird story about how manny's his friend he's like oh yeah i murdered his entire tribe so we just became buds <laughs> yeah literally... the racism in this movie is a nice touch <laughs> it is a nice uh, chef's kiss to everything on here um now in the first scene uh, they end up rescuing a sultry uh, uh gypsy and jean castel uh her father who uh is an older man uh, who uh, didn't get paid for healing some horses of these guys and of course they solve it with violence they choose violence and uh manny fucks up a whole bunch of fucking villagers with a stick 
Uh, pretty fun opening scene. Lots of Matrix uh, uh, fucking slow motion, wax to the face, blood spits, and pouring down rain. I did make a note to myself that I was like, why is there so much slow motion? This movie, you could have cut, probably cut out at least half an hour of this movie with just the slow motion they kept <laughs> using. It was so unnecessary. Uh, they, uh... Uh, after that, they they are able to let this sweet young gypsy and her dad go on their way, but it might not have been the greatest decision. Now, Jean Chastel is a real uh, person of the time in the real story, and we'll get back to him later and maybe what his real story in the whole thing actually was. Now, uh, after they rescue him, uh, they get to meet the local ruling class, Jean-Francois, who is uh, played by Vincent de Cassel, uh, Thomas Depercher, who is played by uh, Jean Jeremy Renier, which honestly, his name reads like Jeremy Renner, and he kind of looks like a shitty wish version of Jeremy Renner. It's kind of odd. Like, it's like when you put them side by side, you're like, I see that, right? And uh, Jeremy Renner, like, like seriously, uh, looks really, really um, alcoholic by by the final end game versus the first Avengers. Oh, there's a there's a Hawkeye series where his face is fully alcoholic bloated out. He's just like, yeah, I'm Hawkeye and I shoot people. And he does not. He looks like he goes. His sleep number is Bacardi 151, if that makes sense. He's literally gone full Tom Sizemore by the end of the Avengers. He's like, don't give me any more millions of dollars. I'm going to be hanging out with fucking... What's her name? Who uh, <laughs> is what's her name that Tom Sizemore was hanging out with the uh, the madam? Oh, um, uh, Heidi Fleiss. Heidi Fleiss. Yeah, there you so. go. Oh, so, so, wait, are you telling me that his vision went from Hawkeye to Mad Dog Twenty Twenty? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I don't know about you know whoever the Green Lantern character that he plays or whatever. I don't know. the green green arrow the green arrow there you go Uh, thank you dc universe mixing with marvel i love it doesn't even freaking look like you know robin hood um (laughs) i did i guess i skipped over completely the opening scene the real opening scene where that lady gets fucking attacked by the monster you don't get to see it but it is a really cool scene where it just looks like somebody's grabbing her by the legs and smacking her against a fucking rock over and over again I laughed super hard. I don't know why, but I just laughed because you don't see what's happening. Just the way she's kind of being, it's like Jaws on land. The way she's just being thrown around like a (laughs) rag doll. I loved it. It is almost exactly how Jaws drags people around, but there's just air that she's in. Like, it's good. It's good stuff. Did anybody notice now that the Joker has become a vampire in a new movie? No, I haven't noticed that. Please tell us more. The Joker has become Mobius. Oh, there we go. I forgot about that, Jeremy. Two different. You know what? I know. I I know. We're getting off track from the movie, but you know what? I'm glad Jeremy brought that up because I do think it's weird that we're starting to share the same actors within the Marvel or DC universes, and we just keep reusing them as villains and or superheroes. It kind of feels like comedy flyers where you just keep seeing the same people, and you're like, you know, there's other people you can hire, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, say that again chair 
Who else is there to hire other than Tom Myers? He's famous and he's got lots of CDs. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Pitchforks and other thoughts. We know because Tom I Tom Tom Arnold is Myers is so fucking edgy. <laughs> we know that. Tom Arnold? I did. Yeah, he cool. did. So uh Manny and Franzak uh go and uh go uh investigate a mutilated body that some of the huntsmen find in the woods. Uh, he examines the bite marks and it finds some iron teeth embedded within him. And like, hmm, I'm not sure what kind of wolf does this. Yes. I don't know why I made him all kind of like Sean Connery there, but it was. Uh, they report to the powers that be that uh, and a giant hunt is organized to go find the beast. Uh, but before the hunt can get underway, Manny has to beat up some gypsies. The very gypsies that he just saved. And guess what they got? Yeah, you said it. If you guessed at a million, if I gave you a million guesses, if you've never seen this movie, would you have guessed they are, their weapon of choice is a Wolverine claw that not one has, but every member has of the gypsy clan that they're part of. They just carry Wolverine claws. Pretty fun. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Eric only picked this movie because of all the mullets in here. He's like, so I feel like fucking them. strong, dude. These the first of all the hairdos on the uh, first of all of all every powdered wig that you see, every local gutter trash that lives in the fucking mountains of France has a full blown mullet, and they're ready to fuck. It, it was like it was like Eric's entire clan was there. Clue <laughs> Klux. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Manny has to beat the shit out of all of the brotherhood real quick. Uh you also learn some fun facts about the uh the Jean Francois, a man who appears to only have one arm, uh says that it got taken off by a lion when he went to Africa, as you do, you know. He also has the baddest ass musket you've ever seen. He has the musket that like wraps around his arm, so it's like a rifle. It's it's a pretty cool fucking gun for the seventeen hundreds. Um, now, uh, the hunt produces hundreds of wolves that they are able to kill, but no great beast. Now, after a hard day of wolf hunting and murdering the local uh, flora and fauna, it's time to head to the local brothel where we meet Sylvia, played by Monica Bellucci, who I got to be honest, uh, you know, teenage Eric Woodworth saw that lady in the Matrix Reloaded, and I was just like, damn, I've never seen a woman like that before in my whole life. Wait, so you're telling me you... I don't know if that's a compliment, because I do love the idea, Eric, that you saw her, and you go, wow, I want the complete opposite of that. <laughs> Hey, listen, we live in a world of settling for things, okay? And that's... <laughs> wow! <laughs> jokes, everybody, jokes. Okay, so after that... Uh... After that, uh, they get to meet her. She's the she's the local. She's the top dog at the brothel here. A wonderful sex worker of the 1700s, and uh, she has a uh, interesting information. She gives fun visions as part of being a smoking hot biddy, and also gives them metal ass fucking nightmares where she stabs them with knives. Pretty cool character overall. Um, real quick though, the brothel scene. So at one point there is a commotion because none of the women want to fuck the native American because they're like, Oh, like we're racist. We don't do that. 
Um, and then they find out he has a huge hog. But my favorite part that said, he says, quote, in the dark, all pussy is the same. <laughs> it is uh, true. Strong line by uh, Mark DeCasicos. And that was very funny to me because that is not true of Dick. <laughs> yeah, they are true. Listen, dicks are real, the real snowflakes in this whole world. A, they melt very quickly if they're not tended to properly by both parties. And, um, and, and honestly, just like a snowflake, I could go a whole year without seeing one and I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> also, also, they, also, like most snowstorms, they forecast for a lot, but not a whole lot usually shows up. <laughs> that is... That is 100%. Uh, the media really props up dick sizes. Um, so, <laughs> fun stuff to kick off the movie. We have a whore that can tell uh, secrets about the world, but maybe she's hiding something of her own. Meanwhile, the beast is still ripping apart townsfolk in the woods. Uh, and But a small girl is able to survive, though she seems like she's poisoned and traumatized. Manny's able to heal her with her special, his special Indian herbs and spices that I assume were eventually turned into the wonderful product we enjoy today, KFC. Another thing white people have stolen from the indigenous folk of a land which i have to say that real quick i don't want to backtrack us too much but we are kind of glazing over the love story so he he has already fallen for the most important marian marian yeah okay but she is the king the, the she's ruler like of the she's uh she's like the so if uh uh, Jean-Francois is like the second guy in command there. He's like the son okay. of like the whatever, the local magistrate there. And Marianne what? is his sister, uh, who is a, a very right. beautiful young French actress. Emilie Domenacque. I, I just, love watching down stuff out. It's so much fun. I, I, listen, like, I, like, I just look at the word and if I don't recognize it, it's just the sounds that come out. <laughs> Watching you sound out French words is just assuming you're having a stroke, and it's such a fun game. Um, <laughs> That's super but, <laughs> but I love, I love, and I'm sorry, the reason I need to pinpoint that we're kind of skipping over the romance is it comes into play much later. But I cannot impart upon you listeners just the absurdity of the situation because he is already falling for this girl, doing things to get her attention, wants her. And as he wants her, he then goes to a brothel and has sex with a prostitute while longing for this girl. What a committed man. Dude, stay rocking. What can I say? You know, just... <laughs> no, it is... You know, I don't know if that was uh, acceptable even at the times. I feel like she was a nice church-going girl. You can't go showing up to the brothel, Triple H. That's not how you take over the WWE one day. Yeah, ladies, it's super normal for a man to profess his love to you and then go fuck somebody else. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Back in those days, he couldn't actually go on Oprah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
He's in. Uh, 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 is in love with Marianne. Uh, is fucking the local whore Sylvia, and there's a goddamn monster still on the loose. They got to track down. That's ripping apart people, but couldn't kill this small girl. Manny is able to revive her through his uh, his uh, Ilgonquin medicines, and uh, we're able to see a flashback to see what the fucking beast is, and it's the first look at the beast. Uh, and luckily, they hide some of the really bad CGI early on because you're gonna see a lot of it later in the movie. But the beast looks fucking badass. It's like the size of a fucking uh, buffalo with like huge spikes that come out of it, and it looks like it's just wrapped in electrical tape and has a huge fucking mouth. Uh, similar, you know, you know, it's very similar to face wise. Looks like the thing from the movie Feast, if that makes sense. But is walks on yeah. all fours. So. Yes. Pretty cool looking yes. monster that rips people apart. For uh, me, it was kind of a combination between the movie Antlers and the children's movie Ice Age. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's actually this beast is commanded by a guy wearing a full trench coat and wearing a, a mask that, if I were to describe it to our listeners, and this is no offense to one of our top listeners, it looks like they skinned James Finn's face and then put it on this guy's face. Okay. So not actual <laughs> James, but like a skinned, like if you made a leather face mask out of James Finn, that's what this guy's wearing. Um, so you're telling me this guy is is serious exoskeleton? <laughs> okay, Ashley. Okay, I got it. That's a deep cut uh, because obviously he works at Sirius XM and then, ah, oh, that was mm, so many good levels there. Chef's kiss good. What it started with the dried out face of Rawhead Rex. Yeah, okay. I see a little Rawhead Rex and I'm sure. Yes. That's what we need to do one day is Rawhead Rex. Add it to the list. So uh, they bring uh, they bring in a new guy, though, after this, who's in there to kill the beast. The king has seen enough, and uh, he goes and sets out after having, uh, after basically sexually assaulting the lady who's trying to bathe him, uh, then goes out to uh, kill the wolf, but they actually just stuff a regular-ass wolf and paint it. And probably the most gory scene in the movie is the taxidermy of this fucking wolf, which is just really great graphically ripping apart every inch of it and like looking into its mouth and shit i thought it was a pretty cool little uncomfortable scene to watch of animal cruelty you know yeah, that was probably the hardest part if i am being honest i, I didn't like that and then again i know it's fake like it I get that, but it was a lot of animal killing that I didn't enjoy. So, uh, the, uh, uh, they, I like the full one that they make cause they like paint it all red to look like the devil and they put it on display. They're like, we have captured the wolf. Look at it. I've done such a great job. I might go home now and have sex with another prostate. Um, but it is, <laughs> we are friends. Come on, I slip on the ass. Oh my god, I'm so dry, just like that wine they make. Jesus, Eric, that was good. Uh-huh. So it feels like a cat's tongue down there. Jesus, make it stop. As uh, as uh, uh, Fransac is, uh, I guess, leaving. He, he, you know, he's trying to still mac on Marianne. Fucking Jean Francois dimes out Fransac uh, that he's been fucking the local whore Sylvia, and then she wants nothing to do with Fransac now. Uh, but Jean-Francois has done this because he's low-key into his fucking sister, and it's like a whole step-bro thing, you know what I mean? It's just like, except 
remove the step, just get caught in the laundry, and then have retarded children. Um, oh God! It was that was probably the worst part of the movie. I secretly thought that was going on the whole time, but I I hoped that it wasn't. But he's not even cute, right? Uh-uh. Like it's hard, already hard enough to have sex with your brother. But when your brother is ugly, I mean, Jeremy, I know this. I get it. It must be really hard to fuck Eric. I know. <laughs> I think the best part of it. This is a fun fact I found about the movie. Ashley is uh, Vincent Cassell, who plays Jean Francois, the guy who wants to fuck his sister in the movie. He turned down this role initially until he. They said he's like, yeah, but he has an incestuous relationship that he's interested in his sister. And when he heard that, he was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> that was the selling point for him that he was going to be a bad guy that fucks his sister. <laughs> I literally only joined this podcast because they're like, hey, we're going to try to not have incest in front of you. And I was like, okay, like, oh, if you think you can promise you're not going to touch each other's dinglings, I'll, I'll join. <laughs> oh, God. It is. Uh, we're having a fun time. We only dock to be funny, not because not we're actually gay. Yeah, so. yeah. It's just prove how hetero we are. Whatever. What do you think Eric was just flossing out of his gums? It definitely wasn't pork. It was it mm. was Woodworth wood. Ooh, that's a chunk. Ew, stop, that's a chunk of Jeremy. Doing that. I know the <laughs> listener can't see it, but I can and I hate it. So uh another uh meanwhile, while this is all happening, another villager of course gets attacked been a bog uh trying to save a lamb, but little does she know, uh she indeed now is the lamb sent to sent to her slaughter. Um Sylvia then goes and visits Marianne uh in the uh uh the church and tells her that Fronsac, even though he fucking slammed my vag so hard, really only loved you. And she was just like, Leave here, you smell like a whore. And then <laughs> but she's like Oh, he really did love me because he told that fucking horrible street wench that he actually was in love with somebody else. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, the the brothel lady, because I can't call her a whore, it makes me sad. The brothel woman, proprietress, um, you know, she's she deserves a lot more respect than, than she gets. Ultimately, we're going to find out her life is a lot better than everybody else in this movie. So y'all can suck my dick. Oh, this it's a real Mickey Coachella story. Rags to riches. Um, Speaking of which, can I interject for one second? Yes, please. Tell us. Okay, I got a text from Mickey last night that says, hey, I need a last minute MC, which tells me I'm someone's second choice, which <laughs> listeners, if any of you are bookers, stop fucking doing that. I hate it. So hey. he, I, so I said, well, yes. No, continue, please. I have some information about this. Okay, great. So he, he says to me, I need a last minute MC. And I'm like, I'm two hours from Tiki Lee's, so I really can't make it. But thanks for thinking of me. But do you know how much self-control it took me whenever he goes, hey, I need a, a need a favor last night. And it took a lot of energy not to go, no, Mickey, you cannot sleep on my couch. And then when he told me... <laughs> And then when he told me he was at Tiki Lee's, I was like, oh, my God, he's been sleeping on the docks. <laughs> hey, did you did you just say, hey, you say, yeah, I'll do it. Can you pick me up in your house and we can go over there real quick? <laughs> hey, that is a mobile home. 
Hey, hey, so so real talk, you know, you know, uh, I was driving down to the murder mystery last night and the te- that text did make its way to, to my vehicle. I'm driving with Tommy Simbazo and uh, Joe and Katie in the back seat. And uh, sure enough, Joe Robinson got the text say, hey, man, I really need a, I'm in a bind. Can you do that? And he immediately texted back. He was like, no, we're in die laughing. We're going all to here. He's like, you should probably text Ashley to see if she could do it. I don't know anything, blah, blah, blah. So. So we did, it did get directed from, you were the second choice and I'm sorry. Okay. But also. Uh, no, because think about it. I would be the third choice because if he had someone lined up who dropped out, then it went to Joe, then it went to me. So bookers, <laughs> stop doing that. You're homeless. You don't have a lot of options. Let's treat me better. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> so Fransac then decides to uh, to stay in Gavondon because Marianne sends him a little letter right before he's about to leave because that, that sweet brothel mat- mistress convinced her that she was just like, oh, he really did love me. So I need to write a letter that says, hey, don't leave forever. This pussy is still hot for you. So he decides to go back. They meet at a little local farm. It's a wonderful uh, 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 meeting again. They're so excited. But she... Shit gets real because as he was heading there, you could see the beast slowly stalking Fransac. And when they get in there, it first goes underneath where this guy's going to get some wine for them and rips that guy to fucking shreds in the basement. And they're just above there, like hearing all this shit. And they're like, oh my God, what is happening? Hold on, step back, Marianne. He grabs a pitchfork and this motherfucker bursts in the door. And is it some bad CGI? Yes. Is there still a fight scene where Fransac takes on a fucking elephant of a monster with a pitchfork with pure bravery, then gets slammed through a door? Similar to like how, like, there's one part where he gets fucking, he stabs it and then he gets knocked across the room and it looks very much like Evil Dead when Ash is like, like this and he goes through the fucking wall and uh, the beast comes face to face with Marianne and then sniffs her and she's like oh I cannot it doesn't doesn't attack it then townsfolk hear the commotion they burst in they're like what the fuck is that and the beast runs off but doesn't attack Marianne that'll come in to play as we get further into the storyline yes he is a stinky pussy they were like oh you smell like croissants I cannot eat you um (laughs) I am a carnivore (laughs) so by the uh by the time uh by this time we're introduced to the full brotherhood uh in full force jean chastel the older guy is uh caring and healing up the beast the rest of them are all watch shabby trappers are watching a uh dog fight where the beast is ripping apart dogs one by one and we can still see the evil masked man with his fucking gnarly ass hand directing all of the traffic within this underground dwelling uh, of just pure fucking carnage. Now, Manny then... I'm sorry. You know what makes somebody evil? What's that? Not having good, like, nail clippers. Yeah, yeah. I realize, like, he literally has just a regular Jeremy Woodworth arm, but just doesn't clip his nails. That's the the real horror of all this. You know, the, the thing I really hate about my toenails is that they don't grow normal. They grow really nasty to like you know ogre like like talons and everything. And thank God, thank God that they actually make toe clippers that are actually like scissors because regular toe clippers don't cut it. I, I mean, I gotta cut these things like 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 uh, what do you call those um, metal metal cutters? 
like a sander to to break them down do you want a weed whacker for christmas yeah like, with like, Jer- to cut jeremy's toenails you have to go to a fucking sawmill like <laughs> like i might as well i might as well use the grinder like they do in fucking dumb and dumber yeah. <laughs> sparks and shit are flying everywhere so anyway enough of my grooming problems oh jeremy you are not a beast of burden <laughs> I just want to. I just want to go to those like real salons where like you know like ten uh, Chinese women are sitting around and they're like, oh my gosh, it is the beast, you know, and they start crying that they have. That to actually would. I actually do like that, Jeremy. We should do that for like a prank show where we just send you to different. Um, ethnically diverse nail salons, different nail technicians, and see what their reactions are, and just tape them. I, I think a home, I think a home run is where I actually take my shoes off and they actually vomit. <laughs> Bonus content: We take you to a massage therapist, and they just unclothe you, and they're just like, "Oh my god, it's Christmas in here!" And you know, sometimes when I am w- kind of well off, I will go to a prostitute so she can actually vomit on my feet so damn Jeremy, come on it's christmas just ask me to throw up on you there you go see it's that time of the year what what, what are friends for other than just vomiting at your physical features wonderful time to vomit <laughs> So, uh, in the most interesting uh, plot device in this whole movie, so we have our three main guys, right? We got Manny, we have Fronsac, and we also have uh, Thomas, who is the other companion, the guy who's narrating the story. He's a young man in the story. The plot device they do to find out where the beast is, is that Manny basically gives Thomas peyote, and then he's just like, here, fucking chill and let us know where the fucking beast is. And he has a horrible nightmare, and he's like, they're like, all of a sudden, they know where to set up a trap to catch the monster, which is just a, such a fun, you know what, more people just need to do drugs to solve their problems. I've been doing it for years. Uh, yeah. So uh, they finally go to a little clearing uh, surrounded by rocks and they use Manny as bait and he fucking pulls off his shirt to reveal what I, I listen. I'm a man. I'd have no tattoos. I'm completely I want I have none at all. OK, but I do love tattoos in general. I like how they look. I like the aesthetic. I just want a good Jewish burial in the end of my life. So I haven't I don't have any. It's not true. I That was the joke. Ashley's looking at me like what a fucking douche well yeah Um. i mean you are but but there's (laughs) one one it's a polynesian tattoo and i was like oh that that was very sweet and i i always like seeing that no Um, i don't think it's a polynesian i think it's definitely very native american because of the sharp lines like polynesians are usually much more curved and tribal from what i've seen and these are very sharp edges and look very much more and he's supposed to be fucking native american you know I think he kind of looked like Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> but it I is love the... being, I love being mansplained too. Um, but second of all, and how's that mansplaining? I, it's a complete difference in opinion of what we're talking about. I don't think you want to go there with me. But anyways, um, number number two though, it's really funny to me that Eric thinks he's getting a burial, like he's not going to get burned alive in some horrible car crash. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, you're being cremated, bitch. What are you talking about? Well, I do usually think that huge tribal tattoos are really cringy, and I thought this is probably the baddest ass one. Can we agree on at least the aesthetics of said tattoo? Yeah, but that's because this is a real tribal tattoo, not a fake white guy that you probably paid ru- played rugby with. He's like, I got tri- tribal tattoos. They're not the same. <laughs> Uh, there was one. There's a couple. We usually made fun of them for it. You know, it was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, listen, you can spot them from a mile away. They love five finger death punch in America, and for some mm-hmm. reason, tribal things, but would never let a person of that color into their home. It's a real, you know, it's a certain type of person. Uh, yeah, it's a fine line between a tribal tattoo and some barbed wire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my favorite Pamela Anderson movie. So, um, <laughs> finally, I get Ashley to laugh, and she muted herself. That was good. I've been laughing. <laughs> the, um, tattoo that I want is um, on my penis, and I, I tattooed black so it'll actually look larger. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but black is slimming, Jeremy. <laughs> Oh God, no! I can't. Hold on, let me watch this. What do you mean this forever? (laughs) Meanwhile, just use a sharpie. (laughs) So, uh, they have the trap set, and uh, this scene is so fucking ridiculous. So. You've seen the movie Terminator. Remember when when Arnold Schwarzenegger, he sets up a single trap to catch the predator, right? It's a thing that he kicks that, that, that can drop spikes, but also is attached to a log, okay? In the time where this peyote trip happens, okay, and they set up this trap, they have set up 10 fucking traps just like that are all kick release cut things to catch this monster so they throw a rock at it Manny to his credit goes fucking buck wild he goes at it just with a tomahawk is flipping around cutting ropes things are fucking logs are coming and smacking this thing at one time he just embeds the fucking tomahawk in the thing's head and it's just like I'll fucking kill you they drop cages on it and ultimately it's still able to fucking burst through the cage that they set up not before taking a chunk out of old thomas's arm and dragging him around like a fucking rag doll well i have to tell you eric i do i am actually really happy that you picked this movie because this is actually one of my favorite christmas movies which was the <laughs> english title which was homoerotic alone oh, welcome to homoerotic alone <laughs> yeah have you seen my native boy all right let us have fun they call us the wet bandits. <laughs> and the wet bandits were all into like peeing on the kids. So. <laughs> or in Eric's case, spitting pee into each other's mouths. <laughs> you know what would be great is if, uh, you know, you guys see, I have seen Home Alone 2 where the great president Donald Trump is in it, of course. Uh, uh, it would be great to reshoot that scene where he's just like, hey, mister, do you know where it is? And Donald Trump is like, yeah, Jeffrey Epstein's room is on uh, on the 18th floor, kid. Just head right up there. You're <laughs> telling me, me the dove lady is actually Ghislaine Maxwell? <laughs> yes, the dove lady has been, been fucking collecting street trash so Jeffrey Epstein can send her to Fuck Island. And, and he, and he comes up to her and she's like, I don't know why everyone's afraid of me. <laughs> Kevin is kind of like leery of being like a young um, prostitute, but Rob Snyder says, you can do it. 
<laughs> I like it because the wait. bird lady is uh, is bird jizz Lane Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 then by the way, Kevin turns around and we go, oh my god, it's Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> I think the movie could have been a little bit more uh, realistic if she had like hit a really big giant crack bong hit before the birds like started <laughs> people for her. So, dude, I love that. I love that Kevin Spacey when he got exposed as being a sexual predator, his response was just like, "Okay, you got me. I'm gay," and then never said anything. <laughs> It's just like it's cool. I'm gay. Okay. Like, um, I would prefer that you use my proper LGBTQA pronouns. It's predator. I, 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 I just like uh, that speech that Kevin Spacey says, where like, yes, now that I've done this, everyone will repeat my crimes in Hollywood. But at least, I've, but at least I've never shot anybody. Uh, <laughs> So uh, after the whole incident with the beast and uh, Thomas getting a chunk of his arm ripped out, uh, Manny goes to go track the beast and follows it all the way back to the secret lair of the Brotherhood. And there he uh, he uh, uh, Manny tracks him down there and gets into a massive fucking karate fight with the Brotherhood of the Wolf, where he does some good ass kicking. There's blades everywhere but he hesitates as he sees the girl that he saved earlier because they had kind of like this fuck me eyes thing earlier in the movie where they were like "Ooh, you look like street like street trash just like me we should maybe hook up and that's just the moment where the man in the mask is able to fucking blast him in his back piece and they subdue torture and uh ultimately dump his body into the woods where Fransac finds it and he is not happy about it he was like no I'm racist. He was my only Indian. I can't be. I can't support the Redskins anymore because I don't have a living Indian friend. Uh, it really. It's like whenever your kid breaks something and you're like, ah, oh, man, where am I supposed to get another one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> At that point, they have to, to change it to the Gavion uh, rugby team. So. The Gavion rugby team. <laughs> so, uh, Fransac then, uh, who has just been kind of, I'll be honest with you, just this backstory. He thought he was the brains of the operation and kind of a pussy, right, throughout this entire movie. Manny's been beating up people left and right, making fucking gypsy stew wherever he fucking lays a sidekick in. And now we find out that he finds out where the hunting cabin is of the Brotherhood of the Wolf, and he sets out for vengeance. And it is what is one of my favorite scenes of fucking karate violence I've ever seen he rolls up on him starts shooting flaming arrows one right into one's dude's head he's like you didn't even need that one on fire but I'm shooting an on fire arrow into your fucking cranium off the top which can we all agree Eric Jeremy and I boys can we all give our vote that this is one of the most selfless uses of blackface 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. He was like, they were like, hey, it's like, you know, I, uh, Fransac, I, I don't think uh, in even in 1700s that this is an appropriate use of blackface. He's like, he was my friend. He, he wasn't even black, but he used to also be minstrel. <laughs> <laughs> what a white, what a white privileged thing to be like, my friend is dead. You know, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to paint my face to look just like yours. <laughs> <laughs> paint me like one of your French girls. Mm, just play fucking full minstrel. Start singing Al Jolson hits. Like the whole, the whole died. But I. Did we mention the most important scene where the Indian gives him his first edible? And he's like, I see nothing. Oh, shoot. Two seconds later, he's done. <laughs> But this whole sequence, I love the part that he then breaks into the rest of the place after he shoots up a bunch of them with fucking fire arrows. And he just starts going through the house, killing people one by one. And the scene in the fucking hallway where he jacks the one guy up and then shoves his head through the wall. So his head just goes all the way through the wall. And then he fucking jump kicks him. So he just goes all the way through. I, as a 20-year-old man, watched that and came in my pants in front of my other dude friends. And that's when I realized... I was French gay. Um, it was, ah, God, I love every part of that fucking sequence of violence of him just murdering people. So he kills about like seven or eight people in this whole scene, just one by one. And, ah, 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 Eric, you are not using the right terminology. You came in your pantalons. <laughs> <laughs> I came in my pound. Um, so uh, as he works... This is the kind of violence that is is carried on with the uh, Bob Odekirk movie called Nobody, where it's just, oh. just ass kicking at its best. So it is. It's some fu- it's some high level good violence in here. Now, eventually, he makes his way into a room that looks uh, just uh, a room of oddities of the macabre, and you, if, if for a moment you can see this cool fucking bone sword that's up on the wall. You're like, hope that doesn't come into play later. Uh, he then goes into another room where he sees the beast is uh, stored underneath and goes, oh my god, that is scary! And then a fucking executioner that tortured Manny, uh, he sees like, he has a flashback, he's like, this is where my in your friend was tortured clearly and then has to go fucking stab that guy through the heart with a spear can we go back to history to one of the greatest ass kick movies of all time yeah and that would and that would of course be enter the dragon with bruce lee where literally a hundred men come at him at once which he takes out over and over with nunchucks and that's not that, that that's weird or cool or anything except Who's the fucking person cleaning up all these bodies around him? <laughs> the fucking pile of fucking bodies is just like supposed to be like a, a crater of bodies that he can't. I, at the end of the thing, he should be like completely cu- surrounded by dead bodies. <laughs> Which you just made me think of something, Jeremy. I've never told you this, but Jeremy, whenever a guy hits me in the face with his cum, I call it a cum chuck. <laughs> Oh, cum chucks. Go check, go to the Ashley Pania store and pick up your cum chuck shirt today. Um, it's going to be a good one. So, uh, 
Bukaki. So after he kills that last guy, you can hear a bunch of the Brotherhood closing in on him, and he retreats because you know what? He's got to go bury his dead Indian friend and give him a warrior's retreat. So he ends up burning his body and sacrificing it, and as soon as he does that, he's like, you know what? Back to murdering the people who did this to my buddy. But no, it's not. That's wrong. Fransak is arrested because the Brotherhood clearly has powerful friends. So, Sylvia, uh, remember our sweet fucking brothel leader, Sylvia, goes to go help him fake his death because she's actually not who she was at all. She's actually somebody sent from the Vatican to discover the mystery herself and is kind of a badass in her own right. Maybe even knows karate, though we we don't get to see a lot of that, but she does have a fucking cool katana-esque fan that will come into play shortly. My favorite thing in this movie is this woman and this storyline because God, I gotta tell you, there's nothing more realistic than a woman spending two and a half hours letting the men think they're in charge. <laughs> so, wait a second. Okay, so look, um, <laughs> we then see. Uh, she gives him like the classic Romeo and Juliet poison that almost kills you for like an hour or two and then you're supposed to be able to wake back up from it uh, and she goes and sends people to go dig him back up and then uh, uh, he's alive so he can exact his revenge but while this is all happening we get to learn much more about Jean-Francois who then confronts his sister and says you'll never see him again because he's dead as shit also guess what thought I didn't have an arm bullshit I've been hiding it behind my back this entire movie and I've never cut these nails. Why does it look like that? I don't know. A lion bit me so I had to hide it for this entire time. It makes no sense. (laughs) Wait. Truth and I'm being completely serious. No jokes. I'm asking both of you. So here's my understanding when we see that arm. Is that not his real arm anymore, right? His arm got bitten off and they like replaced it with a mutant arm? I guess. I'm not really... They don't make that super clear. I don't know if it was just bitten and now it's been deformed so he's scared to show it and because the French are so... They are so vain. I cannot show people that they have a fucked up arm. I must have it from the world. (laughs) (laughs) So... So I know you're you're right. I couldn't quite piece together whether it is that or whether the beast Sorry, am I about to give something to White? Sorry. No, no, no. We we let's, yeah, or was it the beast that bit him that turned his arm into that, right? What I really think the story is though, Ashley, is that when he came back, he showed his arm, no matter what happened, whether it was a transplant or was this, and the preacher yeah. saw it and he was like, That is your masturbating hand. You may never show it in this chateau again. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so no, my my thought was my my thing is the one something he said in the movie, but I can't go back. I'd have to look. But he says something almost as if like the deformed hand is what caused him to want to fuck his sister. Like it overpowers him with unnatural urges. Like almost like it's not his hand anymore he's essentially performing the stranger oh Um, i am getting it is like evil dead and he locked it off at the arm it's the only way he can do it is like it ties up next to him which would make sense because he did go to africa and they do show some weird voodoo dolls and bullshit up on the wall so maybe his arm is cursed yeah 
So it is a nice little touch. Uh, also, he sexually assaults his sister. Let's just throw that out there real quick. It's just like, hey, step bro, stop. And he does the fucking horrible deed. So yeah. it makes uh, Jean-Francois real piece of shit that we want to see oh. murdered in the last act oh. here. Remember, you said he's not the stepbrother. He's he's the real bro. Um, <laughs> I, hey, you know my my favorite fantasy was to always do stepbrother pornography. But you're my real bro. He goes, I know, crazy, and <laughs> so the fact that you added the accent makes it so much worse. It's. <laughs> it's bad enough to have an incestuous rape happen, but then Eric's like, oh, ha, ha, suck on my dick. And I'm like, oh my God, believe that. Now I'll stuff you with bread. Don't hurt because you're dead. Um. <laughs> a simple my stinky cheese. <laughs> this reminds me of a special excerpt from uh, the book uh, A Farewell to Arms. As read by, as read by who? Who's reading it, Jeremy? It's read by. Um, Andre the Giant. Okay, go. would say that a bad time, and Catherine would say it wasn't really so bad. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I didn't know that. I always thought that was from that other French uh, French property, Rapatui. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so so what's next now uh bef- uh it brings us to an end in the final scene now where the brotherhood is having their monthly fuck mask party out in the woods and uh it's a very eyes wide shut kind of feeling like here we are we are the brotherhood we are having fun out in the woods we will make the wolf thing happen we don't know what we're doing uh but fucking what's his name comes over they got the army with them Fransac comes down and guess what he's not just with knives he's got knives that spin in his hands like fucking uh, lawnmower blades and starts just going buck scalping people left and right just when they think they're all about to attack him guess what no we brought the fucking army they're gonna buck on your ass and it brings it down to our final two people which is Jean-Francois who reveals his hideous deformed arm and a new weapon which we have not seen only only briefly in the thing which is this fucking bone saw sword that looks like it's made out of the vertebrae of a dinosaur or some shit and also has the properties that it can go from sword to fucking chain whip out of nowhere which i'm not sure and if you guys could elaborate on this sword i need to do just a tad of research real quick uh i from i want to see if if this movie stole this from the movie from the game soul caliber or if soul caliber stole this from the movie i'm not really sure but there there's a game called soul caliber which before it was called soul edge and it's a fighting game with weapons and there's a character called ivy who has this exact weapon um i've never seen soul edge but my job prefers that i use soul chrome let's see here let's look at ivy from soul caliber with her fucking whip bone sword what was the first year and if it isn't before 2001 we have a copycat here personality don't care about that looking for years let's look for control 19 no eric are you saying that there could be a french movie that lacks a personal identity what hold on 2008 2003 
I think is the first appearance. Hold on, let's see here. 2003, 2005. Yeah, so... Okay, so this, I believe, I'm going to say it right now, Ivy, as a character in this video game, copied off of this. So the bone sword that turns into a whip, this is a this is an original joint from uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, the sword that turns into a whip uh, that they have to fight with. So very, uh, very telling. I think it's such a cool weapon. I remember just seeing this, and maybe it wasn't just because I was stoned out of my mind, though I was. I was just like, dude, there's never been a fucking cooler sword than that right there. You ever seen that? Well, I got, I turn on my Baltimore accent when I see cool things because that's how dullards talk, and I love that about uh my heritage well i'm excited for you that that's your favorite weapon my favorite weapon are my words Mm. i hate to say that uh i was not impressed as much by uh logan war uh wolverine when he only had bones coming out of his hands that he was like pre-weapon x and that one moment where he's like oh shit i don't have my steel my steel knife uh, things coming out. I just have bones when I'm fighting. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Uh, that is the funniest part is that this bone sword can still clearly just stop and repel the fucking sharp steel knives that the other guy's carrying. But I look past it because I tell, tell myself, I was like, you know, it's in the middle of them bones, a fucking steel chain that keeps retracting into a giant fucking sword. So uh, I don't know. I enjoyed the fight scene. They go back and forth. Eventually, uh, Fronsac, uh has one of his arms tied up by uh, the fucking whip or whatever. And as he gets flung around, He's able to slash uh, Francois's neck and he starts to bleed and he yokes back on it and yokes back on his own weapon so hard that it dislodges his weapon, uh, Francois's uh, fucking weapon, and it just stabs right into his chest. So he kills himself, essentially, the bad guy, uh, by just making a terrible error. And uh, we all know the real error was fucking your sister. So, uh Go a, a fitting end to the movie right there and our main antagonist, though. What happened to the beast? I, I, I hate to say I hate to say during that fight scene, it might have maybe ruined the movie, but I think it still would have been good when he pulled that sword into his own gut that they had added like a big wah, 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 wah. <laughs> So uh what happened to the beast, though? They, uh, of course, go to find the beast, and uh, it turns out, guess what? It was just a lion the whole time. He brought back the run of the, the the alpha of the litter, put fucking weird armor on it, and it was just murdering people left and right, which is one of the conspiracies that people thought that the beast of Gavignon in real life actually was possibly a lion, but we'll get to more of that in just a moment. I think this movie lives on in uh, Red Dead Redemption, where the uh, circus is actually... It isn't really a zebra, it's a donkey, and instead of a lion, it's actually just like a big dog, so. (laughs) So, uh, the, no, I I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jeremy, so. Everybody's played at least 10 hours into that game to get to that part, so. 
<laughs> so, uh, the ends up, uh, uh, Fronsac ends up just shooting it in the head with a very, uh, sad Jean Castel who sees it and he's like, that is my friend. Why would you do this to my sweet line friend? And it's too late. And then, uh, uh, Marianne who looks like she's dead, but then all of a sudden is still alive. Those two set sail to go back to, um, to go to America and start their lives of love together at the end of the movie. Why are you shaking your head, Ashley? Did I mess that up? That is not true. I love, I love that the American ideal is just like anytime there's a happy ending, they're like they must be going to America. That's the only <laughs> place they can be happy. No, Eric, they're going to Africa. Oh, okay, the land where Toto came from. I know that. Um, <laughs> that's where those Toto guys are from. <laughs> You know who lives there, Roseanne. Oh, yeah. Now, back to the historical, uh, uh, the history of this movie, because I told you we're going to start with history, we're going to end with history, okay? And then we'll get our thoughts on the movie, and then I'll play us off with a song at the end here, okay? So, um, now, in real life, uh, local farmer Jean Chastal, who's the old man in this movie, was involved in the previous hunt and thrown into prison by Antoine uh, for leading his men into a bog which he was actually doing as a practical joke he was just sick of all this outside influence he was like you do not know my fucking lands better than me go look over here and they got him stuck in a swamp and he was like ha ha funny bitch and they were like fuck you go to jail and then um uh but uh his past crimes uh past crimes turned into bygones when he managed at last to bring down the creature with a bullet in 1767 now this is before obviously cameras and stuff stuff like that so it's only just described as a very large beast but in the end of the savage but in the end savagery did very little to answer the burning question of what was the beast actually now it's been up to debate ever since historians and scientists have suggested it was an escaped lion or a prehistoric holdover or even Castile himself trained an animal to attack people to deflect attention from other crimes he was doing within the province but since uh, but uh, Smith, the guy who uh, I'm quoting from this Smithsonian uh, fucking article, thinks it's more mundane. He said that the best and most likely explanation for Gevondal is a series of uh, is a serious wolf infestation. Smith says, in other words, there may not have been one single beast in Gevondal, but many large wolves attacking isolated communities. Now, wolf attacks occurred throughout France during this period. Morceau uh, estimates that wolf attacks caused more than nine thousand fatalities across the country. Between between the end of the 16th century and the beginning of the 19th. Think about that. 9,000 wolf attacks happened in a 300-year span. That's fucking crazy. What kind of Wild West world do you live in? Um, what made the attacks in Gevonyal memorable, even today, was that their violence and higher-than-average-rate fatalities, as well as the press's ability to turn it from just a uh, turning it into a riveting national National story. Even 250 years since the Beast of Gemonyol last stalked the forests and fields of southern France, its fairy tale legacy looms large. Boom. There you go. 
At least we could blame it all on gypsies because that's what. Yeah, <laughs> borderline. It was gypos. I get it. Um, so uh, <laughs> I did. I used a racial slur against gypsies. They're lovely people that make you thin. So holler at a player if you see me on the street, bitch. Jeremy got the lizard. I want the thinner. Ashley, what do you want in your final thoughts out of this film? I don't think you want me to say what I want. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, Look, I really enjoyed it. Actually, I did have a good time with Eric's pick, despite how long it was. It was something totally different, very new. So I really did enjoy myself. Um, If I could throw out an idea for the sequel, we should uh, make a movie called Brotherhood of the Traveling Pantaloons. Ashley's done like nine mic drops tonight, by the way. I know you can't see it, but like she's fucking been dropping and punctuating this entire show. Uh, Jeremy, your final thoughts on Brotherhood of the Wolf? Um, Probably my second favorite uh, French film to the uh, Pink Panther series. (laughs) um, Obviously, you know, the story, it's it's great that it wasn't anything involved with real werewolves like any real werewolf film even though it says brotherhood of the wolf and had like you know wolves versus vampires and looking like gay kids these days and everything but uh at the same time uh you know you get to blame it on uh the illuminati and 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 religion instead so it made it a kind of a really pretentious <laughs> all right well uh i personally fucking love this movie i picked it so uh that's no fucking surprise it holds a warm place in my heart it involves uh it hits everything that i love in a movie crazy action a ridiculous plot and just somehow making me a production value that just makes me believe in the movie while you're watching it i do get lost in this movie because it does feel like a french period piece with just so much ridiculous ridiculous shit that happens in it i think it's a it's such a unique film and if you get a chance and you have shutter it's currently available on shutter as we're recording this now at the end of 2021 so go and check it out enjoy yourself fucking roll up a fucking wizard's finger of that kush take it to the face and turn this goddamn movie on take a fucking mushroom tea mixed with a little bit of fucking uh uh orange juice and let it unlock the secrets within and sit back and enjoy the wild ride that is brotherhood of the wolf ashley where can people find you at uh you can always find me online at ashley and you can catch me this Thursday, December 16th, for Estro Genius All-Female Comedy Show at O'Sullivan's in Arlington, Virginia. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, check Ashley out. That's going to be fucking awesome. Uh, you can catch me uh, for the rest of the month uh, doing Magoobies. I'm doing um, the fucking DC Improv. We're doing the uh, Murder on 34th Street. It's a really fun show. Then catch me New Year's Eve again at Magoobies. It's going to be great. It's fun. I love the new murder mystery. It's good. Of course, go to ericcomedy.com, Eric with a K, comedy with a C, for all the show dates, links, tickets, all that shit. Jeremy, take us out of here and stick around for the song. That's your wolf bats. That is not my wolf. Oh, we we. Hello. We are the beast of Gabriel. France's number one revolutionary band here. Yeah. Get ready to be French the fuck up. Would you feel it? Would you feel it?
you like a clear song Put it in your arm Walk it out here Don't you ever fear Peace of Gabriel Peace of Gabriel Peace of Gabriel Nobody's gonna skin We don't even have The appetite well Got an Indian friend, he's my best bud We do peyote and went over to Canada Now we're back again and get to rock America Do you wanna see my bone sword? Pistol Gabriel Pistol Gabriel Pistol Gabriel And I'm back again, oh my gosh Pretty lady, would you be my friends? Would you like to see my underwears? Just kidding, we really don't wear them much We are fresh in the pond We got you the other round Piso Gabayon! Piso Gabayon! Piso Gabayon! There's my Indian friend gone. I hope nobody has abducted him and tortured him mercilessly. For I will have their scalps. Cause even though I look like Triple H, I will hunt them down to the ends of the earth. Oh no, they did kill him, I'm so sad. My insides hurt. Whatever will I do, I guess I'll don this black makeup and go out. To go murder some people. Peace to Gabayon! 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 Get the hell out! 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 Get